good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cup, Hidney Cup, dude. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives out there in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. You're right, Dana. At this portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, super stoked about our time change. Uh, we'll be uh, drive, more of a drive time uh, situation here, and I know uh, we'll be able to make a lot of uh, things that are going around and uh, all over Turtle Island, and, uh, and so we're excited about the time change. Yeah, for sure. Moving to 5 p.m. Uh, starting June 5th. That'll be next Monday, uh, and then going on from there. Yeah, definitely, and... Uh, it's it's just a, a natural progression. We get to follow up Matt McNeil, and Matt does a great job, and we'll be uh, promoing what's on each show. And like tonight, uh, we have uh, a little excerpt from uh, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Uh, again, uh, we'll be checking her out. And also we have Brooke LaFlo, who's uh, just one of those young people that are doing it up uh, here in the all over Turtle Island, and I just want to talk about her and her organization, and all the great work she's doing, and then we'll be ending the show with uh, with Wendy uh, with our animal sacred animal section, and she's uh, shooting it in here from New York, uh, Long Island or Long Beach, I should say, where uh, uh, we have our little uh, well, our niece had a little little baby, so she's out there with family, and it's exciting. Um, so, Haley, we had a long weekend. What did you do this weekend? Yeah, we did. Well, it was Memorial Weekend. So uh, what did I do? It seems <laughs> it was so bi- jam-packed busy. It's hard to remember. Uh, Friday. You were out. I saw great pictures of you out on, a, it looked like a, a board out on a lake. It looked very serene. And uh, I was a little jelly about that until you started showing me uh, pictures of uh uh, animals that were uh, frozen in time. No, I don't know. What I know. <laughs> no, really, because yeah, so I have a paddleboard. Uh, it's actually an inflatable one, which actually really handy. But right. yes, uh, I still actually inflated it and uh, thought it would be easier to uh, drive with it on top of my car. Uh, yeah. Even though the lake I go to is is just seriously two minutes up the road from me. Uh, yeah. But you know, that was my first time uh, using, trying to strap something to the roof of a car. Uh, wow. Thought I had it going well. And then halfway to the lake, the whole thing just flies off. <laughs> and what actually happened, it wasn't my fault. It was actually the bungee cord snap. So I'm going to blame it on that. Right but, on. Use yes. those straps that you ratchet up. I have a whole bunch of them in my uh garage i can give you i you know i was in black river falls for our powwow or memorial powwow which was awesome and then i came back and i did uh the aa convention here in minnesota there was ten thousand alcoholics uh hanging out and smoke a lot of them smoking cigarettes like i used to and then i went to uh, prairie islands uh powwow and then yesterday took a, a day off but Hey, you know, we have, uh, why don't we quit our kibitzing here and then let's, yeah. let's get to the Lieutenant Governor with an update. Hey, Lieutenant Governor. Anin, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. We are very close to the last day of the legislative session, which means lots of bills are being voted on, passed, and heading to the governor's desk to be signed into law. Next time I check in, I'll be able to talk about all of the good things that got done this legislative session. But legislators have been hard at work to get the many important budgets and bills across the finish line already. That includes a $1 billion, that's billion with a B, housing omnibus bill, the largest single investment in housing in state history. 
Not all Minnesotans have the same options when it comes to housing, and this bill is one big step towards filling in those gaps. We can provide additional affordable housing options and make home ownership achievable for more Minnesotans. This bill will help construct new housing with a focus on units in greater Minnesota, reducing home ownership disparities, and expanding access to rental assistance. We know that housing security is the foundation of educational and professional growth, health, safety, and allowing kids and families to thrive in our state, and I will look forward to seeing the impact this legislation will have on Minnesota. The governor also signed a comprehensive veterans and military affairs bill that will move the state closer to its goal of becoming the fourth state in the nation to end veteran homelessness, expand service bonuses for veterans and fund veterans' homes, and invest in the readiness of the Minnesota National Guard. There's no question that Minnesotans remain united in their support for those who've raised their hand to serve for our warriors, and I'm proud of the leaders at the Capitol for coming together in tangible support of our active service members and our veterans. We are delivering real meaningful support to protect the health and safety of our soldiers and ensure that our veterans have a safe and stable place to call home. A strong democracy is one where everyone has the opportunity to make their voice heard and voice count. That's why the governor signed a law protecting the freedom to vote and increasing voting accessibility. I'm proud to be breaking down barriers to voting and campaign transparency with this bill. Our democratic process should be welcoming and accessible for everybody. And I look forward to seeing even more Minnesotans at the ballot box this year. We also were joined by legislators and friends and family of Prince at Paisley Park. The governor and I were proud to celebrate the designation of Trunk Highway 5 as the Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway in honor of our Minnesota icon. Prince means a lot to Minnesota, and he means a lot to me. His music is what I put on when I'm cleaning the house or having a bad day or a really good day. It's music for every type of day, and it's so fitting to honor his legacy in this one small way. I hope that when people drive down Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway, they feel inspired to put on Controversy or the song of your choice and just listen. And finally, in more fun news, I was excited to be in Mankato last weekend for the Governor's Fishing Opener. Even though it, uh, we had some rain and thunderstorms and I didn't catch a fish this time, I know, it's always a joy to spend time um, in one of the most beautiful lakes in Minnesota and to really promote the best of who we are in our state. I'll be back soon to discuss the end of the legislative session with all of our Native Roots Radio listeners. Um, it's going to be some good stuff. But until then, Chimiguetch. Pina Gigi, and back to you. Hey, thanks, Lieutenant Governor. Hey, today, uh, Haley was the signing of the marijuana bill here, and uh, a lot yeah, of people are excited about that, and a lot of jobs, a lot of uh, uh, Minnesota is breaking through on that, and uh, the governor signed the bill, so it's a real deal, and I think it comes up in 2025 uh, once it all gets shook out, but they didn't really just uh, do this hodgepodge. They uh, had the. We were talking to a bunch of people over the time, and the bill was like a couple hundred pages long. It wasn't just like one bill. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of stipulations, a lot of. Uh, you know, I, I noticed one of the things too. Uh, advertising. Uh, if your show is more of a kid show, you can't advertise. But if it's uh, an adult one, and I'm hoping we're an adult one, so we can maybe advertise <laughs> people's uh, dispensaries right. and what's going on. Right. Well, and I think what did they say? I was reading something earlier too when they uh, posted uh, Governor Walz's picture signing, and I believe it was like you could have. Uh, don't quote me on this, but it was like up to two pounds in your possession in your home and like up to an ounce or something in public yeah something like that but it's uh it's pretty liberal and it's also uh, i think uh one of the things they're gonna keep uh, an eye on is you know um regulating it in, in a way where not just everyone can can sell it you can grow it and all those things uh but uh you know We'll see what happens, but it, it's a good day to be a Minnesotan, as uh, we all know. Hey, up next, uh, Brooke LaFleur, and we're going to talk about a lot of things that she's doing in the community, and we're really excited to have this young warrior on. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Stay with us. Stay with us. 
We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about outdoor fires. Sitting around a fire is the oldest, most basic form of human activity. What's new is in the way fire is burned. We can show you how to burn cleaner with a lot less smoke. The radiant heat and light from an open fire is unmatched. It kindles our spirits and connects us to the outdoors. And now it's easier to experience and enjoy. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs wood and gas burning fire pits and fireplaces. Let us help you experience an outdoor fire without all the smoke. Come see the many ways you can enjoy a fire outdoors. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Hey, we're waiting for uh, Brooke to come on and... uh, you know, some of the highlights in the in the news, I want to just touch a uh, base on this because we've talked about uh, Polymet for a long time here, and they are uh, moving forward, uh, clearing out Hoyt Lake's taconite plant for copper nickel project. And I'm uh, the Star Tribune here in the Minneapolis uh, paper uh, is reporting that they'll spend $18 million to employ 120 workers on this project. Now, um, there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is a, a company that supposedly is uh, a Minnesota company, but it's owned by a Switzerland. Uh, they're a 50-50 by a Swiss mining giant, Glencore. And... Um, they're a 50-50, it's supposedly a St. Paul, Minnesota-based company now. And, um, you know, they do a lot of bad things to the environment. And uh, we really are wondering what the heck's going on here. Polymet and Canada-based tech have each sunk in $85 million into a joint venture. to The cleanup project is a partnership of their first in investment. So they're going to clean up this Hoyt Lakes plant uh, first. Maybe they're showing us that they can clean up after themselves or before themselves. But it's a, it's still, uh, it, it's still a thing that we really want to protect our, our way of life here in Minnesota. And having this salvage plant run again up, uh, you know. Uh, their their permits are still on their their three key mining permits are still on hold here tied up in court in battles with environmental groups which is really good but they still are relentless with our our sacred land and our sacred our sacred uh, things here and um, this is not really good news uh, that polymed is still coming in and raising heck with us. You know, one of, the, one of the things, too, we talked a little bit about Walls, who uh, signed the historic uh, bill legalizing marijuana. Uh, the former governor, Jesse Ventura, was with him in, in the signing. And 
What's interesting, I don't know if you know this, Haley, but what's really interesting about the former lieutenant governor and the wrestler uh, turned governor, he was mayor of a, a town here in Minnesota too at first, and so he had some political background, and um, I really like impersonating him too, but I see the lieutenant or the former governor, and I don't know if he wants me to even say this, but I see him at a lot of native things. He supports really? the native community, yeah, and wow. it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, and he doesn't want to do selfie; he wants to be low key about it. And so I really respect that. But I just I just outed him in a good way that he supports a lot of the Native American uh, things that are uh, happening. And uh, so awesome. that was kind of interesting. Well, his wife uh, used marijuana uh, to really help with her seizures, and so he was backing backing it up tremendously and um he was there for the signing today uh for the marijuana but hey look at here we have brooke laflo uh who how are you doing brooke thanks for being on native roots radio good how are you can you guys hear me yeah you sound good uh, sound good awesome. sorry i'm a little late um got my hand all jacked up so it takes me a little longer to do this <laughs> oh no oh no hey i wanted to have you on first of all you have an event coming up and second of all i just want our our, our listeners to know who you are and uh i know who you are and i watch what you do and you're one of the young ones that are doing it and that we old ones are going to feel good about leaving leaving the leadership to people like you, Brooke, and I'm really happy to have you on. And why don't we, we talk about your event and then we'll get deep in uh, who is Brooke? Okay, miigwech, um, Mr. Pilot. Uh, I appreciate your kind words there. Um, so my name uh, is Brooke Laflo, Wagagamijing, Zibimene Dokwe, and Dijnakaz. My family comes from the Turtle Mountain Band in North Dakota. Um, and I was born and raised here in St. Paul, grew up here. Um, so. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit about our event. Um, I run a social enterprise called Nanejanis 101s. It's for a, a, a social enterprise for indigenous children. Um, it's expanded over the few years um, from just early childhood education to sports, to art um, and all kinds of things. But our, we're having our first art market, our very first in-person art market on June 17th from one to 4 p.m. And it's gonna be at Flava Cafe in St. Paul. Um, that's off of a uh, university there. Um, it's the second black owned, um, woman black owned cafe in St. Paul. Um, who, it's my best friend's cafe. Um, so we're kind of tag teaming to um, do this event um, for native artists, but it's also um, Juneteenth around that time. So it's just a good time to stand in solidarity um, with my best friend at her business. And so we're really excited to do this together. Um, and just uplift um, folks in our community in, in St. Paul. So, Well, that's what you do, too. I see your coaching. I see you, you know, and it's funny. People say they see me a lot, you, you know, in the community. I see you a lot in the community, too. And uh, it it's great to be in the community and um, support things. I know I go to powwows to support the powwow, whether it's a smaller one at a school or whether it's a big one. Uh, and I know you do that, too. I do my best. Yeah, this this year's been a real crazy year for me with uh, like back to back bone fractures. Um, but I'm trying to get yeah, trying to get back out there. You know, I think that being a good relative means, you know, showing up for people's events and just showing that support, whether it's, you know, our schools and our kids or if it's our nonprofits and all the other good work going on in the community. Um, so I, I try to do those things as much as I can um, and just hope that, you know, when it's it's our time that, you know, people show up for me and for the people that I support as well. So. Well, and you do support a lot of people. You support a lot of artists. And uh, I really like to talk on Native Roots <laughs> Radio about about that fact, about supporting Native artists and how what to look for. Uh, because we have a lot of uh, uh, people that listen that aren't Native, and we have a lot of support across Turtle Island. And they want to know. And so, Brooke, what's what's a thing that you would ask a vendor uh, that's selling what seems to be Native art? I usually ask, you know, like resourcefully where it's coming from. Um, you know, if it's coming from, if they're the artists themselves, that's really cool. Then you get to actually talk to that artist about some of their work. 
Um, other times, you know, there's people selling other people's work and it's their friends or um, someone from their community that maybe doesn't have a big business in Benz. Um, so that's one of the things I do with Nini Janis and my friends is not all of us have websites. So we all kind of share, um, group share the website or whatever. It's like sharing network flat pat mm -hmm. Netflix passwords, right? Like we share one website. <laughs> oh, wow. um, so yeah, I like to, you know, definitely make sure I know where that native artwork is coming from so that I can know it's authentic, um, coming from actual native people themselves. Um, you know, there's a lot of this appropriation going on versus cultural appreciation. So it's always just good to know where you're getting those items um, so that, you know, you're supporting um, actual native people and the artists themselves. Um, as much as you can go directly to the source and to the artist, that's what I like to do. Um, because then, you know, the middleman, and in this case, I'm kind of a middleman too. Um, I mark up everything 25%, but that's also our fundraising model. So all the artists are generally like, I pay, I pay them what they ask and they know I'm going to mark it up. Um, and that's kind of our collective gift to our children, right? Is the things that we fundraise for and the tournaments we go to and our children's giveaways. And so we're all kind of um, on the same same page about that, about what we um, let our, our, our profits go to, right? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, excellent too. And I, and I always say because you know we have the the store and we have we're at the Twin Stadium um in Centerfield uh Native Roots uh Arts and if I could tell everyone that comes up to our booth and especially when we're at the State Fair, Minnesota State Fair, which is like the second largest fair in the country, um I can tell you exactly who either designed this or made this. And their name and don't feel don't feel uh bad about asking that because if people give you uh, attitude then there's that's a red flag yeah that's a i agree it's a good point you know there's artists out there now you can just identify their work almost immediately i i, I know that with a lot of your artists actually and a lot of the work that you sell um so i um, I appreciate that. And um, I thank you for uplifting all of our local artists as well, too. Um, you know, I do believe that honoring this, the land you're on, you know, it's always better to, to support artists who come from this area. A lot of those resources also come from the land, right? You know, Navajos yeah. had a lot of silver down south and we didn't. So they were silver smiths. And um, mm -hmm. up here, you know, we've had a lot of animals and we work with hides and furs. And so um, buying from the people of that land will actually tell you like deep secrets of the land as well too right and like those resources of the land so exactly that's a really really good point and i also want to add add to that brooke that we can't pigeonhole our native artists either because it, it, they can make art and they and they're native people they don't have to throw a teepee in there or an eagle in there yeah, definitely. Um, you know, art is one of those things, same with culture, is one of those things that's ever evolving. And, um, you know, I bead, I don't just bead florals or traditional things. I also bead Nike, like little Nike shoes now, <laughs> just whatever. So um, to exactly. know that mm -hmm, our art is constantly evolving and it, it doesn't need to be like pan-Indianism or whatever society wants to think of us to be as artists i think you know in many ways all native people are artists in whichever way they they are my dad is a construction worker he's an artist my brother he's an artist you know so. no exactly exactly really good point hey we're going to take a break and then we're going to get deep into who is brooke laflo i can't wait hey you're listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake and we'll be right back after this short message stay with us Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. When it comes to mental health, making connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Connections can bring comfort, hope, and joy. Find ways that work for yourself and others like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, creating space to listen. Visit cmentalhealth.org. That's cmentalhealth.org. 
wolfpopulation.org. Cmentalhealth.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. So when you get to the corner of Smith and Orchard, you're going to want to take a you left. Not going to then what you're going to do is turn onto Marcy Avenue broke up, and go past and the first three lights and then take it. the next left. I don't really then drive think five more happy, blocks and you should be the there. Judge, right? Park anyway, on the right. I'll see I you later tonight. Night. It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job if they have dependable transportation. A car plus a job equals a life changed. 612-919-5526. We have families waiting for a car. 919-5526 or autotech.org. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lulia. Showers and storms possible tonight with a low of 66. More showers and storms possible Wednesday, also hot with a high of 91. Celebrate the arrival of summer with a great meal at an Eat Local Minnesota restaurant, perfect for any occasion. Check out the list of Eat Local Minnesota restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Uh, Leonard Peltier, I'm in uh, Colvin 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awaken. This is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. What a great sponsor they've been for all these years and the great work they did. And I just want to give a quick shout-out for my birthday. I did a fundraiser uh, for the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, and uh, thank you everyone that uh, that gifted money for this great organization, and they do work all over Turtle Island, and uh, it's just, uh, it just warms my heart every year that I, that I have them as uh, my fundraiser. Hey, I'm here with Brooke LaFleur. And Brooke, I have some questions to ask you about who you are, and I can't wait to get into this. Now, I know your brother went to Harding, and you didn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, both brothers went to Harding, so I'm the middle the middle child. Um, I don't know if you've met Alex. I think you were at, maybe at Harding when he started. Um, so they both kind of went to Harding, and then Dakota was at Harding um, for mm-hmm. the American Indian Studies Program. Um, both took a lot of Ojibwe over there. Um, mm-hmm. And my, my path, unfortunately, um, I didn't want to be so much at Harding as I wanted to play basketball. Um, and I already had coaches, um, my AAU coaches at Highland. Um, so I started at varsity um, my freshman year by going to Highland. Um, and then later transferred to Johnson 
because of the the busing rule in St. Paul. But then I same same exact reason. I also knew Lakota Johnson. So um, basketball was a very serious part of my our sports in general. This was a very serious part of my high school and college life. So. Yeah, well, that's exciting. That's what I want to get into. I know you're coaching basketball right now, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, your high or your a basketball journey, and I want to know a little more because I only personally know little bits and pieces. And I want you to tell me, uh, you went to college and played a Division One basketball. Yeah, that was where I ended up. I'll go back a little right. ways there. Mm-hmm. Um, so right out of high school, I went to McAllister College. Um, Choosing that school, I was being recruited for volleyball. Um, it was my mother's alma mater, so that was a big decision, deciding factor. Um, and then I was staying close to home for my little brother. Um, I knew I was going to play volleyball there, um, so I did. And then I ended up walking onto their basketball team, their D3, NCAA D3 at McAllister. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a whimsical, whimsical transfer down to Tulane, I ended up walking onto their Division One basketball team. Um, um, no, no more volleyball at Tulane, but um, stuck with basketball. And um, I did two years there to finish out my NCAA eligibility. You get four years. Um, mm-hmm. My junior year, Tulane was a, a phenomenal bas- women's basketball program at the time I was there. They still are, um, mm-hmm. but year year um, we were just shy of the NCAA tournament and we went to the women's national invitational um, the WNIT is kind of the second second next best thing to the NCAA tournament and then my senior year we actually did go to the NCAA tournament we went to the big dance and lost in the first round um, so yeah that's, that was my journey <laughs> that's exciting and I know um, me being a musician and an athlete as a young person I got a lot of my coaching and teaching from pe- from people I learned from the best, I, I feel like. And so wh- who and what did you get your uh, coaching uh, um, ways, or is it a combination of co- uh, coaches you've had over the years, or how do, how do you, uh, who do you aspire to, uh, you know, who have you stolen your coaching stuff from? <laughs> Um, I would say a lot of coaches had um, different influences on me in many different ways. Um, in high school, my high school coaches, um, they were both um, coaches of color, like solid community members, like really took care of kids and looked out for kids beyond the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they fed us, they made sure we were doing well in school, there was study hours for the teams. So my high school coaches did a really good job showing me um, that basketball is a family, um, you know, that there's an, a higher expectation than how you perform on the floor, that you perform in school, that you're, you know, doing right by your family and trying to live a good life at home and staying out of trouble. Um, so those those aspects of, of coaching came from my high school coaches. Um, and then in college, you know, my first college coach, um, I would say, uh, was a little bit harder on me in, in my size and she really fueled the fire in me. So <laughs> I kind of learned at that point, you know, like how do we feel kids fires um, to make them get better? And I didn't really play much at that level. I should have, in my opinion, um, because I walked onto a D3 or a D1, you know, a year after. Um, mm-hmm. But I really think it's because that coach was hard on my skills that I was um, pushing myself to prove her wrong in many ways. So there's that aspect of coaching. And then um, when mm-hmm. I got to Tulane at my highest level of basketball, the whole game's changed, like the intellectual part of the game, the IQ of the basketball game changed um, from the division three level to the division one. And Lisa Stockton, um, you know, she's one of the top eight winningest women's basketball coaches in America to this day. Um, wow. We got her 400th win in less than 20 years at Tulane. So she really knew the game really well. Um, And she broke it down by drills. She broke it down by plays. Um, And a lot of the things at that time when I was going through it didn't always click. Um, It didn't click until years later. I was still applying all those things she was trying to teach us um, Mm -hmm. about the game and about teamwork. so, so I would say a lot of my plays and a lot of my like basketball coaching and training came from Lisa Stockton's um, basketball brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to 
emulate, you know, the highest level of IQ of basketball that I can with the with the young people, while also maintaining that level of community um, and care and family. That, that that's awesome, and I, I like a women's basketball, and uh, I always have. And I, I think they need a big TV contract because people should really fall in love with that game. And especially, you know, when it gets down to the, the Sweet 16, I mean, they're balling it. And uh, this past year was was really interesting. Uh, that championship game uh, did with Iowa uh, really coming out of nowhere and, and making, the, making the final uh, game there and, and then falling short. Yeah, it's, it's so... Um women's sports is getting a lot more love than it used to, but that that championship game was, I think, one of the most watched NCAA games in history, and I think it it beat a lot of men's games too. So I was definitely happy to hear that. And small side note, um, the two years that I went to Tulane, we beat LSU both times. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the kind of th- stuff I want to hear. I, you know, who who did you, uh, who is somebody you're, the, the in Division One that you were most surprised that you played against? Uh, just how great they were. Someone you played against. Who who do, who is what you going? Oh my gosh, this person's better than I thought she was. I'm going to give that actually to my teammate, um, Leslie mm. Vorpal is, um, and then I will I'll second that with Brianna Stewart. So Brianna Stewart was at UConn before my last year, we were seniors together. Um, and then we did play them and lose to them. She was amazing. Of, of course, the whole team was, but I'm going to give it really to Leslie Vorpal, my teammate at Tulane. Um, she was a freshman when I was a junior and she is just, she's a little white girl from Texas. And to say, you know, she is the coldest white girl I've seen with a basketball in her hands. She is so crafty. She's really cool. She's really poised and she just, she's fun and she works hard and she's fun to play with. And she, um, she just took a championship overseas right now in Germany. Mm -hmm. I forget, but she's playing overseas now and she's, she's stuck with basketball and um, she's only a few feet taller than me. I'm five feet, even five, one with shoes. So that I was the shortest person, I think, to this day to play in the American Athletic Conference. And Leslie was only a little bit bigger than me. So amazing wow. to amazing feats to be so little playing with the amongst the big ones. So. Well, that's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. And because that's an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, feat for you too uh, to play Division One basketball. Um this is kind of fun because it is WNBA season, and just talking about this, uh, uh, we have some, uh, you know, you know Jesse who played for Wisconsin back in the, she's unbelievable too, and she's from Minnesota, and she's a uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, wh- what's Jesse's last name again? I can't think of it. Uh, Seem Seem Stomsky. Jesse. Yeah. Stomsky. And she yeah. was, she's like the second leading scorer of Madison uh, basketball history. And she's here in Minnesota working for Prairie Island as a lawyer. But it's just, uh, it's great to see the, the natives out there, you know, including yourself. But I, I, I can't wait. Um, we had all those championships here with our WNBA team. And now it looks like they're, they're rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, they've kind of been rebuilding for a while, but I do think, you know, when we, uh, we did have the best WNBA team. Um, for like five say, years. Yeah, Wasn't they it? were, they had a good run and they were the only Minnesota team taking home the championships, right? So they should have that, that TV contract, <laughs> at right. least in Minnesota. <laughs> exactly. Well, and they're, they're on, uh, what is it? Bally's. I see them once in a while on Bally's, but, um, well, you can't forget the twins now, eighty-seven and ninety-one. But you were probably not even born then when they won those championships. But I, I was probably your age when they did that. I actually haven't been to the new stadium yet. I need to still get in there. So. Oh yeah, it's it's beautiful. Uh, it really is. And then you'll have to stop in a, a Native Roots uh, trading post out there in Center Field and check it out. Um, hey, so. Brooke, we only got like a minute or so left, and I want you to uh, to talk about your event again. Yeah. Um, so on July, or sorry, June 17th, from 1 to 4 p.m., uh, we are having our very first Nenijana's Art Market. 
Um, you can join us um, for an opportunity to shop and visit with um, various Native artists and businesses um, all across the Twin Cities. Um, and we're going to be hosted at Flavor Cafe. There will be drinks and snacks for purchase there. Um, and then lastly, we're going to, it's a public open event. Um, we're also hosting um, a raffle from some of our vendors, um, a live raffle, um, because we are, our boys basketball team um, got accepted into the Native American Basketball Invitational. So um, that's a week-long tournament, um, and it's a required college career readiness camp as well. So um, our raffle is to fundraise to send them down to Phoenix um, in July. So. June 17th, Flava Cafe, um, 623 University Avenue West. Join us from 1 to 4 p.m. Right on. Hey, Pini Gigi, thank you so much for being on and uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. That's exciting. And uh, keep up the great work. Uh, it's great to see young ones like yourself taking the ball and running with it. Hey, see how I threw the basketball kind of thing in there? But you can't run with it be traveling. Right. <laughs> All right. But hey, Peeny Gigi. Yeah. Hey, Peeny Gigi, thank you so much for being on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Mr. Robert. Thank you for having me. Right on. Hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at SPPS.org slash careers. When it comes to mental health, connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Whether you're struggling or know someone who struggles, see connections as comfort, hope, and joy. Like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, seeing your grandma. Together we can find ways to create a path forward. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Howl! Hey. How's it going? <laughs> I don't know. I get a crack up. Uh, it, people that are watching us on uh, Facebook Live or YouTube uh, <laughs> will always pull up a little wolf howling and I don't know, some days that makes me laugh more than others, but today it made me laugh. Hey, <laughs> I want, Haley, I want to, uh, Wendy's in New York, but she sent us a cool segment here, and I want her to jump on and play that right now, and we can, if there's time, we can discuss what she did and critique it or not, but uh, hey, let's uh, get Wendy Pilot on. 
Hey everybody, my name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. And as always, it is my pleasure to do that. And thank you again, Robert, for having me do a sacred animal section. I really appreciate it. As I mentioned once before, Friends of Minneapolis Animal Care and Control are looking for cat whisperers. Uh, they need kind, patient cat lovers to take on some nervous, shy cats that they have there. All of these cats, they are saying, may do best in a one-cat house, uh, so they're not as friendly as most other cats. All of the Mac cats... Uh, and animals over six months old currently have no adoption fees, and they want to do this so they could help get as many waiting animals out of the shelter uh, as possible. Kittens that are under six months old are $100, $50 to Minneapolis residents, and walk-in adoption hours at the Minneapolis Animal Care and Control are Monday through Friday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And they're located at 212 17th Avenue North in Minneapolis. So that's always a great thing to do. Uh, last week or the week before, Robert and I talked about our older cats that we adopted. And we always had the best luck with them. So I... People who adopt older animals, I give them a lot of credit and um, visit the animal care and control in Minneapolis. Here's a post here from Howling for Wolves, uh, ban wolf hunting for good. So due to federal protections being restored by a federal judge in February of 2022, Minnesota wolves cannot currently be hunted. Again, cannot currently be hunted. However, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources intends to hold a wolf hunt once our state's wolves lose their protect protection. So when the wolves were first delisted from the endangered species list in Minnesota in 2012, there was a slaughtered mass of over 700 wolves and they were killed in one year by hunters and wildlife services. The Minnesota Department, uh, the Minnesota DNR has demonstrated that they cannot be trusted with the responsible stewardship of our wolves. So we're just asking, as always, for continued support and to get in touch with your lawmakers to make our Minnesota wolves safe forever. So you could head on to howlingforwolves.org forward slash take action and tell your lawmakers to ban wolf hunting for good. And that's always really um, important to do. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been pretty hot out and the summer is here and we have lots of hot weather. So we're asking everyone to please take care of their children and their pets and make sure that all the wildlife has uh, water out there. So hot pavement is a real bad thing and there are a lot of dogs get injured over uh, the summer months because of burns on their paws. So hot pavement, uh, if the air temperature is just 77 degrees, Asphalt temperatures could be 125 degrees. At 86 degrees, the asphalt temperature could be 135 degrees. And at 87 degrees, it can go up to 143. So if it's too hot for your bare feet, then it's too hot for their paws. So just make sure that you test the pavement before you get your little furry friend out there and uh, check it out. Another test that you could do so you don't have to take your shoes off is put the back of your hand down on the pavement or asphalt and see um, how hot that is on the back of your hand. 
Um, I talked about this again last week, and I always want to remind people because I see still so many people walking their dogs, and the dog has to walk on the sh- on the leash like a soldier. Um, the the animal has to stay really close and heel next to their owner. And anytime the dog tries to go to sniff or to check something out, the dog is yanked back and uh, asked to walk like a soldier. And I say, let them sniff. So instead of focusing how far you have traveled with your dog in steps, begin to focus on how much your dog has sniffed on their walk. Sniffing is a calming, mentally engaging, and therapeutic activity which many of us uh, leave off the agenda during outings. When we allow our dog to take the world around them through their nose, this provides an opportunity for relaxation. So this really helps your pet relax and be calm and enjoy. Um, I've been seeing a lot of red cardinals around, and I always love to see them and their mate. Um, I just read an article about a one in a million yellow cardinal. It's been seen in Florida. The cardinal is one of North America's most identifiable birds with its distinct crest and vivid red plumage on males. However, one exceptionally unusual cardinal observed lately in Gainesville, Florida, has a radically different appearance. It's bright yellow, a one in a million occurrence. You could go ahead and check that out. I have a picture of this beautiful um, bird that really is uh, something else to see. I really am really astonished by it. So check out a red, um, a yellow cardinal. Uh, our friend Alice has posted about red cardinals or cardinals. I'm sure the yellow ones also have the same uh, behavior that cardinals could be called a romantic bird species. They mate for life and stay together year round. They sing together before nesting And their courtship behavior includes the male gathering food and feeding it to a female beak to beak. So how cute is that? Also, one last thing before I end my segment, we can help our bees and other insects during the hot weather. So they need to drink water also, uh, but they often drown in large pans of water. So all you need to do is grab a pan or a shallow bowl Uh, and put a whole bunch of pebbles or marbles or rocks in there and fill it with some water. And the rocks and the pebbles will give the bees a nice landing spot and help avoid them from drowning. And it's best to change the water every week or so to make sure other insects don't lay eggs in there. Uh, I usually uh, refill that water almost every day. So yeah, let's help our outdoor uh, animals and our bees and other insects, except for mosquitoes. I don't have much love for them. I have to tell you that. Anyway, with that, back to you, Robert. Hey, thanks, Wendy, for the update. Always great to hear. Haley, thank you very much for uh, all the support and all the background stuff and the things that you do for Native Ritz Radio. I want to say thank you to Lieutenant Governor, also, Brooke LaFleur, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking your truth and telling us uh, a little bit about yourself and the events, that, uh, the support that you give our uh, community. Hey, we're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now. Now.